All right, three-way swap cast going down. Rackham football podcast, sit-down Zumach, inappropriate Earl. What you want, what you get, here it is, live and direct, straight out of West Hollywood, straight out of Tampa. I have the one, the only, Mr. Earl motherfucking Skankel in the house. Earl. What's up, man? How are you? Uh, just waking up. Uh, got a... Take the dog for a walk after this and do hot yoga as it cleanses my mind and gives me my amazing body. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that horseshoe tricep. You know what I just got done watching? What? I just watched Stallone, Frank, that is, on Amazon Prime. I, I wanted to watch it. I just, he's not interesting enough for me to waste an hour of my life. How is it? It was interesting. <laughs> I mean, it is crazy that that guy, his brother, is probably the most famous actor of our time. I mean, with Tom Hanks, maybe a few others, but he's top five. And this guy can't get work. Like, that's crazy. To me. Well, he's done well, man. He's actually piggybacked off Sly very well. Like, he did the, uh, well, he, he got his first claim to fame, the first Rocky, the. He was sitting around the trash can with his band called the Valentines going, yeah, take me back. Do, 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 do. That was his like number one hit. And they got signed to RCA after that. But you think he could have gotten some bigger gigs than like basically an extra in Rocky when your brother is Rocky. Well, he, he came back in Rocky too. And he did the soundtrack to uh, staying alive. The sequel to Saturday Night Fever. He had the hit song. Which is a great uh, undervalued uh, Travolta movie, Stallone directed. Yeah, which I don't think a lot of people know that Sylvester Stallone had his hands on staying alive. How does there was a, there was a lot of pressure on him for that movie because Nighthawks, which was the I think the year before, it kind of bombed. Nineteen eighty one. So now, well, I guess two years before. So there's a lot of pressure on Stallone to make that movie work because people were like, well, you had a sh chance with Nighthawks and it didn't do very well. So you better either have this movie be a hit or pump out another Rocky movie. And the Bee Gees were signed to do the, the soundtrack to Staying Alive and they backed out. They just left a couple of songs. They're like, hey, listen, we're not feeling it. The songs they were doing was acoustic. It wasn't disco. And then Frank was writing all these songs and then they didn't want any of them. Then all of a sudden from out of nowhere, Frank wrote this fucking gem. Remember this? Oh yeah, dude, that was a big hit. And that's when you know Frank was on top of the fucking world. Yeah, and you know, if you're a fan of the 80s, uh, you know, some great uh, appearances. You know, Kurtwood Smith was like the, the gay choreographer. Of course, he was Clarence Boddicker and Robocop. Uh, he's probably not too uh, eager to talk about staying alive, but, you know, he was funny in it. And uh, Cynthia Rhodes, who was like the queen of the 80s films. You know, she was, I mean, it was, a, you know, it was a, it was a typical 80s. It, it doesn't hold up, but it, it's a good 80, mid 80s film. Now, why did they bring on Stallone to direct it? Like, that's just kind of a weird, because that was the same year he came out in Rambo and he just did Nighthawks. I mean, I'll assume, I mean, I don't want to cheat and go on the Wikipedia page, but I'll assume they wanted Travolta back and he probably said no uh, or he wanted too much money um, and uh, you know that that was a dark time for Travolta uh, and that's when his career started I think that's right around the time he did that movie with Lily Tomlin where by the way uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it zero percent on the tomato meter staying alive I mean it, it's a guilty pleasure movie for sure I, I I could see critics not liking it I could also see people going uh is there really a sequel needed for 
Saturday Night Fever. There was really no loose ends that needed to be tied up. But uh, you know, I want to know what happened to the girl they they blatantly raped in Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> yeah, there was a there's some uh, wackiness going on in the '70s films and. You know, that time period from like 77 to 83, there were some whack movies that were pretty graphic. You know, Cruising with Al Pacino. And, and, and the scary thing is that with Cruising, there was 40 minutes that were left out of the uh, theater cut because it was it would have been a double X rating. So, you know, and Al Pacino was in that movie. Like, those were the kind of movies that were being made. Uh, you know, whereas now Al Pacino's and and then meet the Fockers or something. That's Robert De Niro. Guy will do anything for a paycheck at this point. Yeah, it's kind of sad. I mean, this generation is growing up with De Niro and like buddy cop movies. He's playing Sebastian's father in his life story movie. Did you hear that? Oh, Sebastian has a life story. Yeah, he's they're filming it. and He's playing Sebastian's father in the movie. Robert De Niro. I mean, I don't know if that, I mean, I mean, I know Sebastian's a big comic, but I, I didn't know he's that big where they do a story about his life. Well, content's king. They're trying to do whatever they can right now. They're trying to break whoever. You know, we'll, well get to the football I, scores soon, but I want to talk this stuff. This is important to me. Well, that's why I tell people, like, no idea is too bad because with all the streaming services out there, they need content. Like, you know. It's, there's Amazon, there's Hulu, there's the Netflix, there's uh, HBO Max, there's, you know, and they need 24 7 program. Comedy Central, I'm sure, has, uh, you know, they have their digital uh, streaming service, I think. And uh, I'm sure, like Logo, I mean, there's like probably 10 networks that need 24 7 programming. So, Earl, why don't you, uh, uh, shop your life at Rose Battle about how you were disrespected by Jeff Ross. You you went against the odds. You advanced without want them wanting you to advance. And then this grudge that you have. How about we turn that into a film score? Well, not score I don't think, screenplay. I don't think you could find anyone that looks like Jeff. Like you'd have to, like I don't know, either have the Michelin tire guy. Uh, we'd have to buy his rights. But he's too in shape to look like Jeff. Uh, what about the guy uh, who played Corky Thatcher? Get a pro wrestler, probably. Maybe I'm trying to think of any wrestlers that look like Jeff. Maybe one of the Dudley brothers. Uh, maybe Mass Transit, the EC. Oh, he, he died. Um, maybe one of the Nasty Boys. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Jeff's about that size now. Um, you know, anything, but you know, as silly as you are with that idea like i'm sure they are thinking hey roast battle season four uh, someone would put that on i mean yeah i don't know who who knows produced by jeremy I mean, piven did roast battle last night like who the hell is still roast battling like, what i know who wasn't judging bob saget yeah that's too bad i only met him once at the store but it was very memorable there was, uh, I mean, I'm sure you saw the post, but I was, uh, I think I had just gotten past, maybe it'd been a couple of years, and uh, the girl says, hey, you're next, the cover booth girl. Do you want to go on? But there's no one in the room. Like, there's, lit- I'm like, what do you mean? Like, one or two people? She's like, no, there's no one in the room. And she's basically saying, hey, if you don't go on, I get to go home. I'm like, listen, I got to practice being on that stage because I'm still nervous or whatever. And you still get paid, so right? I- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was fifteen bucks at that time. Uh, so I went on stage, and a few comics came in the room, and they were kind of roasting each other. And then I see Bob Saget walk in with his lady friend. I don't know if it was his wife. Uh, I want to say she was black, from my memory. Uh, and then uh, he sat in the. He was kind of cool about it. He sat in the furthest point of the room where he wouldn't like be a distraction. Uh, and I think, well, he likes it dirty. So I'm going to go with the dirtiest jokes I have. And I did about 10 minutes of just really raunchy jokes. And he just afterwards walked by me in the hallway and whispered in the, out of the corner of his mouth, love the dark stuff. 
and then just walked off. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, he was nice. I mean, oddly, there was like 20 people in the hallway. I'm like, where, where, why didn't you guys just go in? Uh, so uh, that's my only memory of him. Well, there was one other time at the comedy store where he was holding court in the main room telling old Mitzi stories. And it was like we were all like kids in a classroom because he was there. So, uh, you know, he's an OG store guy. So it was just kind of neat to, and you could tell he was still uh, affected by Mitzi and how nice she was to him. So it was kind of neat to sit there in an empty main room and hear him tell stories. No, I met him a handful of times. I already told the one on my podcast, but I actually, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I was working. You remember Q's? It was in Brentwood, right off of Wilshire. Yeah, it was a pool hall. Yeah, I used to work there for like a year. Okay. I was like still young and an open micer. So I was like a door guy slash Monday, Tuesday bartender. And he would come in all the time and hang out. And I remember talking to him about Dane Cook. It was right when Dane was like MySpace Dane. Right. Yeah, yeah. He was very engaged in the conversation. He was very into it. He was very defensive of Dane, too. He was like on his side. Well, I mean, Bob would strike me as the type of guy who wouldn't like Dane Cook. He's a comic. Like, he writes the jokes. He doesn't stick his ass in the air and, you know, do the act outs. But he probably also respected how big he got and, you know, admired him for that. Yeah. Although I do admire Dice play more than Dane from the standpoint of how big they both got. Dice did it with no social media. True. Which is pretty impressive. There's no MySpace at the time. There's no Napster or anything where he could reach out to the masses. He he did it in a much harder era right before Dane. And Dane and, and Drew or I'm sorry, Dice managed to somewhat stay relevant through every decade somehow reinvent himself to always kind of be around so i always respected that too well he's also a really funny comic like he doesn't get the credit for it you know he's kind of like the kiss of comics where like kiss writes some good songs like they're not bad some of their songs and dice is the same way like you know he has a lot of well structured jokes but he doesn't get the credit because he's more famous for the nursery rhyme bits and you know, his language and, and whatnot. But if you strip that away, he still would have been a great comic. 100%. 100%. Well, since this is the football podcast, too, uh, Ken is in Universal Studios with his family. Tony's in a very important meeting right now. And I had no idea that this was all happening. I thought we were all, we always do it around this time. We were in the clear. So my apologies to everyone that watches the football podcast. I had no idea. So we're going to go through, I got Tony's picks here. We're going to go, there's only a couple of games, so we'll fly through them real quick. Now, Earl, you're a big Steelers guy, hardcore. So what do you think about Big Ben going down in a, a blaze of glory, still fighting, fighting his way, and they're going up against Kansas City. Pittsburgh's getting plus 12 and a half in Kansas City. What do you think? What's going on? What's your feedback? Tell me. I mean, I don't think the Steelers are going to win the game. Uh, I would take them with the 12 points. For I would bet the Steelers with 12 points. But, uh, but I also think that they could – they do have an avenue to win the game outright. It's not likely. They have to play a perfect game. Um, and that's probably not going to happen in Kansas City on the road. It's probably the toughest place to play in the NFL, you know, once that crowd gets going and, and once the Chiefs get a roll, it, it's pretty hard to stop. But their only weakness is the offensive line. It, it's, it's a little dodgy at times, and that's the Steelers' strength is the pass rush. Uh, so it's not conceivable. But it's possible that if uh, T.J. Watt's healthy, which that last play where he deflected the ball against uh, Baltimore, it looked like he he grabbed his crotch area immediately, which probably would indicate that the groin injury is is resurfaced or it never left, and he was just hiding it. Uh, that's big. If he's close to healthy, they have a shot at getting to Mahomes. 
And if uh, Fitzpatrick, you know, he's great on he. No one's really talking about the play where he knocked the ball out of the receiver's hand. That was a huge play. Uh, so the the path gets a little murky because now you're one on one coverage, and Hill, if he gets by you, you're not going to catch him. Uh, so maybe COVID takes out a few players for the Chiefs. I mean, it's possible the Steelers could win, uh, but it's not likely. So I will pick Kansas City for the win outright. I would bet the Steelers with the 12 points because I don't think um, it's going to be like that first game. But the Steelers locker room was a mess. There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on, and I don't think that's there this time around. Um, but, you know, Mahomes is just – he's in Kansas City, Kelsey. I mean, the Steelers had trouble with the Ravens tight end. Kelsey's another level. He's a new, he's a new Gronk. So it's – Obviously, I want Pittsburgh to win because this is most likely Roethlisberger's last game. But, you know, in the playoffs, and this is a very long-winded answer, so sorry. Uh, no, that's you fine. Know, in hockey, but, but, you know, in hockey, uh, usually the best team wins because you've got to win four, four out of seven. You're not going to get lucky four games against Tampa Bay or Florida. Uh, but in football... You know, Mahomes is a bad game, which isn't likely, but, you know, for whatever reason, it's possible. Upsets are possible in, in football. So this is tailor-made for an upset game. Um, you know, because you look at the first game, they don't have a chance. KC comes in on cocky, which they should be against Pittsburgh. Roethlisberger plays a great game. You know, Harris, if he's not um, – you know, that arm injury will prevent him from stiff arming, which is his big thing. But if he's healthy, that's a great game. You know, anything's possible, but I'll, I'll go with Kansas City here. I know. I agree with everything you say. I think I'm going with Kansas City, too, with the points. But also, like, listen, Big Ben is playing this underdog thing big time right now. And the reason why he's doing it, because let's just say, let's just say Big Ben pull something out of his ass. It's going to add to the resume. It's going to add to the legacy. So he's really playing up the whole, oh, we snuck into the playoffs. We probably shouldn't be here. Out of 14 games, we're probably the worst. Out of 14 teams, we're probably the worst. You know, they were 9-7-1 and one into the postseason. They had back-to-back -back victories. They closed out the season strong. But the last time they played, the Chiefs was pretty humiliating in Arrowhead Stadium. I think it was 36-10 the beatdown was, if I'm not mistaken. So that's why I love playoff football, but big Ben is setting the table for that great underdog story, like to the legacy of Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not a fan, but I do respect his body of work. Anything can happen. Um, I think personally I would take, if I was a betting man, I would go ahead and, and take those points and uh, the chiefs are going to win. That's just me. Well, I think the Steelers aren't as bad as their record. I mean, if you look at some of their losses, like I was at the Charger game in SoFi. Were you? Uh, yeah, no, that that's another podcast. That that stadium is amazing. Um, Did you see Gino Bisconte there? No, no, I I, I, I was in the non-COVID suite, and uh, but. You know, for a lot of their losses toward the end of the season, they had uh, Watt was hurt. Um, that's my dog, Barks. He's got something in his throat. Um, Hayden was hurt. Um, Fitzpatrick, I think, uh, was missed a few games. So, like, if all those guys are healthy, the Steelers win at least two more games. Uh, so, I don't think they're as bad as, you know, what their record indicates and uh you know so i i, I think this will be the best game of the weekend uh, because it's just you know the steelers defense is good when healthy and if roethlisberger he doesn't have to play great anymore he just has to play good and, and make no mistakes but you know on the road and it, and i think a, a factor that is beneficial for the chiefs is uh melvin ingram uh playing you know, he was with the Steelers for most of the season. So he knows all the tricks, you know, and I'm sure the Steelers have switched up their terminology, you know, and, and but, you know, some things, you know, 
you can't change this far into the season. So like he knows uh, Roethlisberger's audible uh, system. And, you know, I noticed when uh, Roethlisberger goes alert, 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 that's an audible. Like even I know that. So if I know that <laughs> Melvin Ingram knows it. So, um, you know, I think it'll be a great game. I mean, I think Ben wants to go out in style. I think the Steelers as a whole are, like you said, very embarrassed at their performance last uh, or a couple weeks ago in KC. But uh, I think Tomlin is tailor-made to coach a game like this. So, uh, and, you know, the, their receiving core is, is, it's not like the Pittsburgh Steelers have no offensive weapons, you know. But once again, if they're, it really depends if they're healthy. You know, if Harris is healthy and Washington, he he's had some uh, issues where they haven't used him a lot lately, which I find weird. Uh, they've gone more to uh, number 14. I want to say, what's that guy's name? Uh, Samuel, I think. Uh, the guy who returns kicks. Uh, and Claypool seems motivated. If Claypool's motivated, he's tough to stop. Uh, so, I mean, there is an avenue for a win for Pittsburgh, but it's just... You know, on the road in KC, it's it's probably not going to happen. These playoffs are going to be good. By the way, Tony texted me his pick. He's in a meeting, but he's going to go with the uh, the Chiefs on that game just for people keeping track at home. That's, I mean, a lot of these games are going to be phenomenal, and that leads us to another matchup. 10-7 and seven, Vegas Raiders versus the Bengals at 10-7 and seven in Cincinnati. Cincinnati minus five and a half. Where do you stand on that one, Earl? I mean, I go with the Bengals. Now, if this game was in Las Vegas, I'd go with the Raiders. Uh, but uh, Burrow, you think home team means that much in this game? Uh, because you know the Raider fans, they'll be in. I mean, they would have been into this game. For, you know, it would have been uh, a tough road game uh, in Vegas for the Bengals. But not that the Bengal fan base is known to be like the Steelers. Uh, you know, traveling and everywhere. And they're not really known as a wild crowd. Uh, I just think they're the better team. I think Burroughs is playing a little better than Carr. Um, and I think the tight end for the Raiders, uh, he's injured. Uh, and he's hit Waller. I, I think he's he's a huge part of the Raiders offense. Uh, but, you know, this is a, if it was played on a neutral site, you know, no, that's not a thing. It's a 50-50 game. So I think the Bengals will eke out a win. Uh, in terms of the gambling aspects of it, uh, I think this, you know, very smart by the bookmakers to make it five and a half points because I think this game will be decided by under five points. This will be a 24-21, you know, 27-21 It's going to be a close game. game. So that's... You know, whoever the odds makers are, brilliant job of setting that line because they're going to get all the gamblers are going to pick a side on this game, you know, and, you know, versus if it was like a 10 point spread or, or whatnot. It's really, this is a gambler's game. Uh, and I'm sure the line will move between now and uh, Saturday. Saturday, so, yeah, yeah. No, this but is long a long story short, I know. I apologize for the long-winded answers. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals plus the or minus the points. Yeah, the Raiders they're traveling Cincinnati, who beat them during the regular season. Bengals Bengals are ten and seven. They captured the AFC North title the first times what since 2015, if I'm not mistaken. They defeated the Raiders 32-13 on November 21st at in Las Vegas. But as you know, Las Vegas has been a TMZ fucking hard knocks hbo storied season of craziness and insanity browns beat the uh the Bengals on the last game like you said it's going to be a uh it's going to be a uh, a betting dream but I, i'm also going to go with cincinnati on this one i think vegas they're i think shelve them until next year they're going to get a new coach and hopefully turn it around but I'm going to go with Cincinnati on that one. That's just my pick. By the way, I'd like to uh, shout out to the uh, Chargers coach for calling that last timeout 
to give the Raiders the ability to kick the field goal, which is why the Steelers got into the playoffs. So that might be the most boneheaded. Like if they just would have ran the clock out, both teams make the playoffs. Like we were all rooting for a tie for that game. We wanted a tie so bad. Well, I was so I was working out on the elliptical to the, the basically the second half of that game. And I was like, okay, it's a perfect score. Cause I think at one point it was a nine point uh, lead. I'm like, okay, that's almost impossible to tie. Cause then you have to get three field goals or you'd have to get a safety and a touchdown. Like uh, it's looking good Pittsburgh. And then like, oh my God, I forget one play that happened where they scored like, oh, now it's back to a one score game. And oh yeah, this could be a tie. <laughs> um, I mean, that was the odds of a tie were so low. And then uh, thank God for, you know, a Chris Weber-like timeout call. I mean, it, if I'm the Chargers owner, I fire that coach just for that. I don't care how good a season they had. Uh, I mean, that all they had to do was set the clock. I don't think the Raiders were going to kick a field goal. They were happy. Like, hey, we're in. Like, uh, I mean, I know they're saying the right thing. Oh, we were going to go for a field goal. They weren't. Uh, you could tell by the body language, they were in no rush to get a final playoff. So uh, thank you to the Chargers coach. I, you, you got the Steelers in. Also, Tony Mazur picked the uh, Bengals on that one for those of you who are playing at home. Uh, that leads us, and these playoff games are going to be phenomenal. That leads us to another game. We got Bill Burr's Patriots 10 and 7 going up against Josh Potter's 11 and 6 Bills in Buffalo. I actually had at the beginning of the season Buffalo going to the Super Bowl, but they were so inconsistent and weird this season. I don't know what the hell to think, but they're getting minus four in Buffalo. Earl, where do you stand on this game? Wait, the Patriots are getting four points. Patriots are getting plus four. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with the Bills, uh, although they are very. Uh, schizophrenic team this year. Schizophrenic's I mean, the, the best game. word. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, you just uh, like they lost to the Steelers at home. Like that was that was like that's what I thought. Oh man, the Steelers are going to be good this year if they can beat Buffalo. But and then so uh, you know, I I just think uh, their quarterbacks just. I mean, Jones is good and he's going to be good, but. Uh, I don't think that you can compare the two quarterbacks right now. Um, and I think Buffalo at home is, I mean, I know it's tough to pick against Belichick, but when Belichick doesn't have Brady, it's a little easier to pick against them. Uh, I'm going with Buffalo. Their, um, their talk is Josh Allen, their quarterback is a fucking gunner and he throws hard like a Dan Marino type of hard. And I guess from what I understand, the receivers are kind of complaining. They're telling him to dial back a little bit like that Stefan Diggs, because it's cold. It's fucking cold. And these receivers are dropping balls because he just jams them down the, you know, right down the route. So I thought that was kind of odd. That was very odd that the receivers are telling him to dial it back on the throws. Well, I mean, and I've played hockey in that kind of weather. And although you're not catching things with your hands in hockey, unless you're the goalie, uh, you, your hands are numb, man. When it's that kind of uh, cold, like you, even with gloves on, like there's nothing you can do to prepare for that kind of cold. Uh, and it's wind, the wind chills. It's cold with no wind, but I'm, I'll assume there'll be some wind chill there. Uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, you definitely have to uh, neuter your throws a little bit if you're a, a gunslinger. But I think what's going to help, uh, I almost said the Sabres, uh, Bills, is his uh, Allen's running ability. It, it's just, you know, you don't see too many quarterbacks outside of uh, Jackson uh, in Baltimore who can move like he can. Uh, so that's going to pre prevent a problem because – even if the receivers and tight end are covered, you know, that gives, it's almost like Allen wants that so he can take off and he's hard to bring down. He's like Roethlisberger size, but like it's fast. So uh, I just think, uh, you know, if it was in new England, I mean, eh, you know, maybe Belichick and, you know, I don't know, do some things, but uh, I, I just, I mean, it's a 50, 50 game and it's really, I'm going with the home team. Because I just think, you know, they're a little more comfortable in their own surroundings. 
That's what makes these playoffs great this year. Like every game I see is a 50-50 game, with the exception of the Steeler game, which obviously the Chiefs are the clear-cut favorite there. But all the other games, I could see either team winning. So I'm I'm erring on the side of caution and going with the home team in most all my picks. Well, I'm going to go the opposite on that because New England won earlier this season just throwing three passes in the cold. So I think uh, the Patriots got some momentum. I think this Mac Jones is Belichick's new guy, and I think he's in love with this dude. And I think it's time for Mac Jones to become a name that beat the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo against Josh Allen. This puts him ahead. I think the Bills pull this one out. That's my prediction with the points. and. Tony's going with that pick too, Patriots, according to Tony Mazur. So that's where we stand with that. But I will say this. I think what the Bills' uh, defensive strategy will be to stop the running game early and make Jones, all right, you're going to beat us. You're going to beat us with passing. And, you know, so I think uh, the Patriots, obviously they can win for sure. But if the Bills uh, stunt the running game, uh, a lot of pressure on Jones on the road. Uh, so I would guess they would put an eight-man box in the uh, defensive system. So <laughs> Jones is going to have to have a great game. But it's possible. It's one game. Like, you know, uh, I just think the Bills, there's too many uh, odds stacked in their favor. But this is a 50-50 game. 50-50 game. Uh, that leads us to another game right down this right down the street, three miles down the road from Chad Zumok, the Z-Man, and Raymond James Stadium. We got the nine and eight Philadelphia Eagles coming to Tampa Bay, thirteen and four. Tampa Bay's given up eight and a half points in Raymond James. They're on a mission. Antonio Brown is probably still uh, walking around without a shirt on. Uh, two Buccaneers offensive players are doubtful for Tampa Bay's game against the Eagles. Will that make a difference for Tom Brady? Who knows? What does Bruce Arians have up his sleeve? What do you got, Earl, on this game? What's your four-one-one? What's your take? Rack you. I mean, I'll obviously go with Brady. Uh, I mean, the Eagles, it's a nice story, uh, but I, I don't see many paths for victory them you got to stop Brady you got to stop Gronkowski you got to stop uh Leonard Fournette uh or is he hurt is he out is Fournette out the I'm running looking, back let me check out uh Leonard yeah he's yeah. doubtful with jo- uh, Jones doubtful running backs yeah yeah he's 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 doubtful has been dealing okay, with a hamstring uh, injury yeah you know I remember that a couple games ago it was pretty severe uh injury um I mean, you know, it goes back to the one game. Anything can happen. I mean, the the Eagles are in like that Steelers position. They have to play a perfect game. Uh, And you have to hope Brady doesn't have a perfect game. Or even even in Brady at the 70% is better than most quarterbacks. Uh, You know, I I don't see it when it comes to a – one-on-one quarterback versus quarterback. I, I don't see Brady losing that. Brady's like you. you. Know, he doesn't age. I mean, he looks amazing for four. You know, that's what bums me out about Roethlisberger. It's like he could still play for a couple more years if you had his fitness regimen. Uh, but uh, I, I don't see many pathways for the Eagles to win unless, uh, you know, Brady just – completely falls apart and that's rarely happens. And, uh, you know, in, unless between now and, um, Sunday, uh, was that, that's the morning game, but the COVID, you know, you do have to kind of factor in COVID, uh, issues. Um, I mean, it is Florida, which as you know, is the wild West for, uh, COVID. <laughs> and, uh, so you got to figure all the Buccaneers aren't staying at home at night. Uh, you know, so the Eagles have to hope for uh, some wild childs on Tampa to, you know, sink the ship. But uh, I would take Tampa minus the points in this one. I'll be driving back from Miami on uh, the 15th. I'm doing a show at the Umbrella, headlining 
Uh, great independent venue. I've been going on 13 years strong. They get great independent comics, just big names, big names. So come check me out if you live in the Miami area. So I probably will miss this game driving back. Uh, I'm going Patriots. I, I'm a believer. I, I, I think Tom Brady is on another mission, even if they have people going the down. Patriots. Or I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking Bucks. Oh, so, I, I'm still thinking. Let it people. go, dude. He ain't coming back. <laughs> I'm a guy from New England. I just can't let go. I just watched The Town on Netflix with Ben Affleck. I'm so a I fan those, of him. I got those bonds, those Boston chowders in my head, just yapping away with their little accents. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with the Patriots in this one. Uh, what do you think of Antonio Brown and him doing that craziness? I mean, someone uh, made a great point. That's not my point, but uh, he really has never been the same since the perfect hit. Uh, you know, he was relatively normal before that. I mean, he was wild, but like he wasn't like, I mean, he's clearly got some mental issues because I take cryotherapy a lot, taking it today after hot yoga. The fact that he went into a cryogenic chamber with no shoes on, no socks, no book, that's insane. Like, I mean, you'd have to, and that he stayed in there for three minutes. Like, I'm telling you, like a cryo therapy uh booth or i don't know what they're called the chamber it's i think a minus 150 to 200 degrees depending where you go it, it's but it's beyond bone chillingly cold in that so the fact that in his brain he was that i'm gonna go in there with no no covering on that's that that shows the, the level of his mental insanity um so, I mean, it's sad. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, the human side of what these guys go through. And someone else said this, once again, I'm taking from someone else's uh, knowledge. You know, every play in football is a car crash for these guys. You know, they're all gigantic fucking dudes. Even Antonio Brown is like my size. And like in the comedy world, I'm a big dude. But in, in the football world, I'd, I'd be a small man. So the fact that, you know, you think of the injuries, these guys, like, look at Roethlisberger. He's been playing for 18 years. His body, I can't imagine what his body feels like right now. So, I mean, I hope he gets help before he does something stupid, uh, you know, kills himself or, you know, and it's, that's not even trying to be funny. I mean, these guys. At least put it on TikTok. There was, uh, I don't know if you guys can see this. It's, it's funny. I actually have a book. Uh, I'll try and put this. Uh, it's uh, the, the Derek Bugard. Ice. Boy on Ice. And Derek Bugard was, uh, if you're a hockey guy, he was six foot eight, 270 pounds, you know, naked. So, like on ice, he was literally probably close to seven feet. Um, uh, they, he was a fighter, he's a tough guy. Ironically, he didn't like fighting, but you know, when you're that big and you're not Wayne Gretzky, you're going to fight. And uh, they did a brain scan of him after he committed suicide. And uh, like you and I probably right now have like, I don't know, two or three dark spots on our head, on our brain. He had like 23. Uh, like it was like some. I'd like to split the numbers. difference on mine. I probably have like 15. <laughs> <laughs> uh well that's the post and pre kevin brennan uh so uh, and, uh, i didn't know what abusive stepfather you were talking about my real abusive stepfather or kevin brennan <laughs> hello uh that's another podcast i'm still not sure where that went wrong but we'll keep it sports related uh so you know i would love to and i don't know if antonio brown would let people do this do a brain scan on him. I, I guarantee you that he probably has at least 10 dark spots. Let's uh, get him on the uh, bad guys podcast. He probably would. Like he strikes me as the type of guy. I was like, fuck it. I'll do these two losers podcasts. Uh, but um, <laughs> I mean, I hope, you know, like I know a few guys who are in the early UFCs. Uh, and it ain't pretty man. Like they can barely form a sentence, but um I, I hope he gets the help he needs. I mean, even Brady was like, you could tell like for once the mirage was lifted and he was like, yeah, I hope he gets help, you know? So, um, 
It's too bad. I mean, he could have been the greatest receiver of all time. I mean, he was so, and he still is good. But like, what team is going to take a chance on him now? Like, it's, you'd have to be pretty desperate to uh, take a chance on him. Cleveland, come on to Cleveland, buddy. Would love to see you there. That leads us to another. Uh, go ahead. Oh no! I mean, I think he'd be horrible for Cleveland. I, oh I yeah, we don't of, need him. We got enough nightmares. We just we dealt with Odell Beckham. We couldn't deal with Odell Beckham, so we're going to deal with Antonio Brown. Oh yeah, I mean Beckham's a cakewalk next to Brown. Uh, You know, I think Baker should stop doing so many fucking commercials. I agree. uh, Do like three less progressive commercials and work on your fucking throws. Well, I I will say a torn labrum. That that's a pretty severe injury for a quarterback. So I'll give him props. He did the Roethlisberger thing, just (laughs) toughing it out and. Uh, you know, I think he'll be better if, but that's a tough injury to ever really heal, you know? Uh, but, uh, I mean, Cleveland will be good again. They'll get a good draft pick this year. Uh, oh yeah. I'm not pressing panic button. Like a lot of people in Cleveland are, I'm not doing it. Uh, that leads us to another good game. If man, 20 years ago, what a rivalry this was San Francisco versus Dallas. You got 10 and seven 49ers going in. To Dallas, 12 and five. Dallas is getting minus three. That's another jerk off uh, uh, gambler's pick. Uh, San Francisco's 49ers quarterback, Janine Garofalo, has played through some significant injuries. I mean, right now, from what I understand, he's dealing with a torn ligament, a chip bone in his right thumb where he throws. So it's going to be challenging for them. But if you're going with the minus three aspect, I think. It's going to be a close game. I think San Francisco covers. Dallas wins. That's my prediction. Earl, you go. I mean, once again, I'm going with the home team, and I I think uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Cowboys minus the points. Uh, So I picked them to win outright and cover the spread. Ooh. Um, Well, I mean, if it's in San Francisco, I might, you know, once again, I. I really think in this year's playoffs, the home team is pretty much in every scenario, maybe outside of Cincinnati because their fan base isn't rabid, um, has distinct advantage. Uh, you know, I think Prescott's sick of hearing, hey, man, you make a lot of money. You know, you haven't really done much. Uh, Elliot's, you know, seems to be uh, back to his usual form and, you know, the injury with Garoppolo is, you know, it's significant and it's probably worse than what we all know. So, uh, you know, you know, it's a bad injury in the media. It's probably twice as bad in reality. Um, so I mean, 49ers could win. I mean, they put a string like this second half they did, uh, against the chargers last week. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, down 17, nothing. Uh, so well, it was against the chargers, right? Yeah. Didn't it? Uh, so, I mean, they, you know, Garoppolo is healthy completely. I, I, I might go, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Niners plus the points. Um, I mean, I think this will be a very close game. You know, once again, a gambler's wet dream because they're, they're kind of, I think the purpose when you do a point spread this tight is you want people betting both sides. Um, so, uh, you know, I just think the Cowboys at home, uh, not like the 49ers have no path to victory, but uh, I, I just think the Cowboys at home are going to take it. There you go. Rack Earl. That leads us to our final game Monday night. You got the Arizona Cardinals coming in at 11, six against Kate Quigley's 12 and five. Is it Kate Quigley's Chargers? No, it's it's no, the, she's a Charger team. She's a, this is a Rams, is it? Is it yeah? She might be a Ram fan now. I don't know. I she's don't a know Ram fan. She's about. a Ram fan because when uh because when um she got back out of the hospital and the uh the two people were on the autopsy table, she was yelling, Go Rams, and she's not gonna let people bring her down. So she's a Rams fan. It was fan. actually three people. Three people, if you want it. Yeah. My apologies to the other victim. So she was go. She was saying, "Go Rams!" So, uh, yeah. So they're getting minus four in your backyard, Los Angeles, California. 
Uh, where do you stand on this game, Earl? I mean, Cardinals are kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. They look good one game, and, and then um, they kind of look a little weird the next game. They're up and down, up and down. I mean, I think they'd get a boost. The rumors are J.J. Watt might come back for this game. Uh, how effective he'd be, who knows? Um, the uh, Rams just signed Eric Whittle uh, for the wild card game. He was retired. That's he's not a, good. He's a safety. Yeah, that's not a good sign. When you're signing guys who are retired, it's like the Saints. You know, yeah, there was the Saints a couple of weeks ago when they had like all four of their quarterbacks either hurt or in COVID protocol. Reached out to Drew Brees in Hawaii. It's like, hey, you want to just play this weekend? I feel like, what? Um, I mean, I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, is out uh, for this game. That's huge. He has good chemistry with Murray. Uh, you know, Connor. At running back, uh, it's a great story. You know, Steeler fans know it well, but uh, I don't think he's overwhelming people this season. Uh, I mean, this is a tough one. Uh, I mean, I, I like the Rams. I just think, uh, I think uh, McVay reminds me of kind of a Mike Tomlin type coach. You know, he's a player's coach. You raw, raw all that stuff. Uh, you know, I just think Stafford wants to prove his worth to the Rams. You know, they traded a lot to get him. Um, even though I don't think the Rams were disappointed to get rid of golf, uh, you know, they still did trade a boatload to get this guy. So I like the Rams, uh, you know, Donald, he's just unstoppable. And he, he just, uh, the way he disrupts the whole offensive game plan, you, know, you have to almost triple team him. Uh, double, triple team them. And, uh, you know, once you do that, then other guys, you know, break free. And uh, although Murray is very mobile, probably one of the most mobile quarterbacks, uh, I just don't, I think the Rams defense will, uh, you know, Ramsey on the corner, like they, they just have so many weapons on defense that I don't see the. Did Cardinals you say Ramsey Moore? Ramsey Moore, he was a legendary <laughs> L.A. comic. What a shock that a guy who weighed 500 pounds would die of a heart attack. Um, yeah, COVID would have got him eventually, so rest in peace, Ramsey oh, Moore. I mean, he was Ralphie May. Um, he was Ralphie May big. Let me, let me tell you that much. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> Ramsey Moore. Like, like Ralphie at least looked semi healthy. Like he had like his skin looked like, like yours and mine, like not vibrant, but it looked normal. Like Ramsey, anytime I would see Ramsey more, his, he looked like he had jaundice, uh, like just a yellowish hue. And, and then I think my favorite Ramsey more memory. And I know where people are like, who the fuck are they talking about? Um, but you know, me and Chad, we like to do a deep dive is the comedy store had a boxing match oh, or man. boxing uh, card. And uh, the winners all got to open up for Russell Peters. So they were really fighting. It was a comedy boxing card. So it was Ramsey Moore against Jay Mack, who's himself about 450 pounds. Uh, neither guy has been seen since. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. Russell Peters was a, a, a judge and uh, you had a, uh, Hinchcliffe and uh, Rick Ingram were the announcers. And, uh, oh, that had been funny play-by-play. -play. This Don Barris was the ring announcer. Uh, Perfect. Uh, Joey, Med I mean, it was just, it, and Joey Medina was, uh, I think he was the ref. Uh, he's a popular uh, Hispanic comic in LA. Um, and then... It's casted it well. Huh? It was casted well. Oh, it was perfect. And it was uh, held in a boxing gym in Burbank that uh, probably was meant to have 25 people in it max. There was at least 150 people in this uh, facility. I mean, it was beyond hot. Uh, everyone sweated. Um, and Chris Neff, very funny L.A. comic, he was uh, taking bets like he, he's in the gambling world. So he had a he had made this like uh, uh, sports betting board in the middle of the gym, and uh, 
the fight, I was in the corner of uh, several fighters uh, and Ramsey and, and I don't know how he didn't have a heart attack. It, it had to have been literally, I'm not kidding, 150 degrees in this room. Uh, I mean, everyone just sweating bullets. Uh, Jack Napier, the porn star, was there. I mean, it was just like the barn Star Wars. Every freak in L.A. comedy was there. And, uh, you know, the owner of the gym, one of the fights was uh, Josh Martin, who you brought up Roast Battle earlier. He was one of the reasons. He's really the reason Roast Battle started because he wanted to fight an open micer. And did Josh, did like Josh Martin, did he stick around LA or did he go to Austin? He's in LA. Okay. Uh, but literally, there'd be no Roast Battle if Josh Martin didn't want to fight Kenny Lyon. Uh, so Josh Martin is fighting Boon Shakalaka, legendary LA open micer. He's like a homeless guy who steals from stores and comes up to the comedy store and sells his merchandise for like a dollar. I mean, it's, a, he'll, he'll literally sell you a new iPad for a dollar. Oh, that's um, not a bad deal. No, it's great. Of course, you don't know if it's going to work or not, but oh, like, that's, you gotta, you know, that's the chance you gotta take. So Josh was finding Boone Shakalaka and Boone kept telling people he had AIDS. And right before the fight, the owner of the gym was like comes up to me and goes hey man because uh, i was in boone's corner they're like well earl you're the most physically fit guy here you help boone out and uh <laughs> i the owner comes up to me and goes, hey he doesn't really have aids does he i'm like dude i can't promise you he doesn't <laughs> and uh i gotta tell you something the boone josh martin fight may have been the greatest boxing match i've ever seen in my life I, wow i'm high praise the, the the energy in the room was like Ron Lyle and George Foreman. Like at one point, Boone threw a punch so hard he missed and he fell through the ropes. And like he, it, it was so hot in there. Like I, I'm telling you, it was literally 150 degrees. Boone's having heart palpitations. Oh, like it was uh, a great moment in comedy store history and of course none of the winners got to open up for russell peters it was all a scam oh that sucks uh, come on russell it up. wasn't russell's fault it wasn't russell's fault they just like it was not very well organized after i think they thought let's just do this and uh we'll deal with the the awards later we'll deal with the consequences later too funny uh, but uh, great. I only tell that incredibly long-winded story because you brought up Ramsey Moore's name and he fought J-Mac. And uh, the whole time, both of them were farting uncontrollably in the ring because I really thought we were going to see death. Like, you have two guys fighting each other who are easily two to 250 pounds overweight. Not way 250 pounds, but probably are... Close to 450, both of them. Uh, and I'm like, this can't be a good idea. I started being embarrassed that I was a part of this. Rest in peace, Ramsey Moore. Uh, let's let's uh, let's see if we can get a, a visual on uh, the great Ramsey Moore here. Just so you guys, you guys are if you guys are uh, watching this on the YouTube, this is uh, this is what we're talking about here. There he is. And let me tell you something that he was much bigger than that. Like that is Ramsey at his skinniest. Like when I knew Ramsey uh, and I know you can't see me pointing on the, uh, I mean <laughs> that picture right there with him without a shirt off at the time of the comedy store boxing match, he was at least a hundred pounds heavier. Like it was, uh, that's him skinny. <laughs> no, I'm not even like, it, it, it's like, uh, no, I, I did I, a, I've uh, done gigs with Ramsey. I remember you take forever to get the fucking st to the stage. He was, I was like, come on, dude, let's go. Let's get to the stage. We did a, and I always felt bad for Tripoli. We did a short film, Tripoli. It was Tripoli's idea. Uh, it was about it's called fixing Ramsey. No, it was, uh, what was it? The premise was very similar to Malibu's Most Wanted. Like these two rappers awake in a new century, and, and I played the sensei. And it was such a low budget gig. 
Steve Byrne was supposed to play the sensei. So the name was Sensei Byrne and I was Sensei Byrne. They didn't even change the name to like <laughs> Sensei Earl. Um, and Ramsey was one of the rappers. And there's a scene where he falls on the ground because he can't keep up with Tripoli's breakdancing. And the sound on that, this was 15 years ago and Brody was in it. It was an amazing cast. Like it was uh, Jason Tebow, uh, Brody I think Steven. I heard about this. I think I remember someone talking about it. It's called Breaking Her Down. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but it's pretty funny. Uh, Brett Ernst is in it. Uh, Tripoli. Um, Brody plays a Martian from outer space. <laughs> like, Eddie Pepitone. Like, it's really a, like it's, it's, it's something. And it just sucked because. I think as soon as we released it, Malibu's Most Wanted came out. It was kind of the same premise. And it just, uh, you know, I don't think much happened of it. But, uh, you know, that was uh, a lot of people from that film are no longer with us. Brody and Ramsey and, of course, Owen Benjamin's living in the woods like Dexter. So, um, you know. Good times. Good memories. Just, it it kind of was. I wish comedy for me would go back to that time frame of uh, just doing comedy with your friends. You were oh, dude, uh, that era, that whole the. Yeah. I'd say from two thousand five to two thousand twelve was the best time to do comedy. And yeah, which ironically was probably my least. I'm just saying for me, it was my least successful. Well, same uh, here, but I had more fun. It was just fun. Yeah, I mean, I was riding on the Ian Bag show at that time. I wasn't getting paid, but it was like, oh, you could get to be. I mean, Ian's a super funny comic, and, and back then, I think we thought, oh, this is gonna be like Ian's show was really Tosh 2.0 before Tosh. I mean, it was like this is gonna get on TV. Like he's such a good host, and the the writers were all funny, super. You know, Patrick Keene and uh, Brian Irwin and uh, Louis Anderson was involved, and it was like, wow, this show has to get on fx uh, at the minimum but you know just yeah just didn't happen so uh earl it didn't happen dude you got to move on dude (laughs) oh absolutely so move on nothing's over by the way were you a fan of red dawn the movie i just watched the making of red dawn i like the first one Uh, there's only one first one although i mean i guess they remade it remake yeah, fucking the what? Going to the mountains, Wolverines? Are you kidding me? Was well, a great cast, uh, and I like the guy who wrote it is uh, someone I want to interview before he dies, John Milius, who's one of the great, great screenwriters of all time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, he used to want a Big Wednesday as his movie, uh, and this guy they, that was Charlie Sheen's first movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, Patrick Swayze. Uh, C. Thomas Howell. Uh, Leah Thompson. Jennifer uh, Grey. Interesting uh, backstory. They, I guess there was a love scene between Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze, and he said, I don't want to do it. And there was a lot of friction between the two of them. And they end up having a dirty dancing together later on in their career. Yeah, that is funny. Uh, you know, who knows? He, he probably, you know, that was right after Uncommon Valor for Swayze. So, uh, you know, he probably wanted, I, I mean, who knows why he didn't want to do it. You he know, said he didn't go along with the flow of the movie. You know, he made, he did a creative decision. Good on Swayze. But that's a great, um, just an amazing cast. Like uh, William Smith, who played the main Russian general, uh, which is weird because he's not Russian. Uh, he was the guy in the, the second Clint Eastwood movie with the orangutan. Um, every which way but loose or every which way you can any which way you can and every which way but loose and i'm brain farting on which one was first but he was in the second one Uh, i think you can second i think you can second okay he's a great character actor and powers booth is probably my favorite character actor harry dean stan was in that too you remember he played the the dad in the, the general store and uh like just it's such a talented cast. Like every one of those guys work and girls worked for like 20, 30 years after that movie. Uh, yeah, even the guy bored. from Gremlins. Wasn't the guy from Gremlins in that the tall, good looking kid? Or was it... 
I think so. I don't remember. Uh, uh, not Zach Alphanakis, but he had like a name like that. Uh, let me look up this guy's name. Uh, I, I like it because I'm a, such a John Milius fan. Um, and it's painful to me that more people don't know who he is. You know, he he came in and helped write Apocalypse Now. And, uh, I think he, uh, he, he ghost wrote or uh, fixed up a lot of movies under pseudonyms. Um, and uh, there's a great documentary on him. I think it's just called Milius. Whereas if you are a, uh, if you are a writer, you, I, I think anyone who's into the writing of films would love it because he had a stroke. So I'm not sure if he's like this now, but he could barely talk at the time of the uh, documentary. So it's like, here's one of the mind world's great writing minds and he can't express his thoughts right now. So it's kind of a sad documentary, but um, he's, a, he's uh, I liked it just because I'm such a fan of his and it's a pretty good movie. I mean, it, I, I think that it stands. I mean, I think kids today don't get how significant the Cold War was between U.S. and Russia and the Reagan, you know, height of the Reagan years. But uh, I think if you were alive and like a teenager and you see that movie now, it, it still stands up. But I, I think uh, kids today wouldn't be like, what's the big deal? Uh, Russia didn't really hate us, but, you know. So it's it's definitely a generational movie, I think. Well, there you have it. I'm going with the Rams, too. <laughs> but what the fuck Darren Dalton is the guy's name I was thinking of it's not the guy from uh, Gremlins but he looks a lot like the guy so never mind well first and foremost Earl where can people find you on social media if they don't know already I mean I'm really at Earl Skakel of course on every uh, every platform uh, and then there's uh, Inappropriate Earl uh, iTunes and SoundCloud thinking of going to Patreon in some fashion. You should. Uh, well, I just like, and I probably should ask you off air some questions. Uh, I just want to make sure people, I might, someone brought up a good idea, keep the podcast for free, but then do stuff on Patreon, like videos and show clips of your stand up, or, you know, do like your, like yesterday I was walking on Fairfax and I saw a car crash. And if you go on my Instagram, I, I'm not trying to get views. I mean, I am, but like my latest thing on Instagram is I film for the next 30 minutes, the interaction between the Russian girls and uh, the huge Hispanic lady. And they, it, it was like a reality TV show. So um, I might, you, you know, put up videos like that. I want to make sure people feel valued. So, yeah, no, that's what I do with mine. I, I put up a, a episode for free, you get it a week earlier. Then I try to throw up rewards like tickets to shows and things like that, do giveaways. There's all kinds of little things you can do, but it's the best way to support an artist right now. And I think for me, I know I'm going to cut back on the road less and less this year. So I'm going to just keep Patreon. I'm going to keep doubling down on content, doubling down on podcasts, and there will be more bad guys episodes. The thing is, we're coming out of a pandemic where, you know, a lot of these guys were more accessible, but now people are kind of milling about doing their thing. So it's a little bit harder to get guys like we used to, but I'm still going to be grinding and trying to get some people and we'll keep the bad guy series series going. And if Earl starts the Patreon, please support the man already. He's brought a lot of love, a lot of joy to all our podcasts. So thank you so much, Earl, for your time. Oh, thank you for including me always. And uh, yeah, the bad guys is not over. It's just like you said, uh, you know, it's hard to even on Zoom now. People are like, ah, I don't want to do Zoom. And like, well, you want to do it in person? And that's, we can't, you and I can't do it in person because you're we're on opposite ends of the coast. Uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of getting someone like Vernon Wells going, fuck it, I'll do these guys' podcasts, you know, or. Brian Thompson. Uh, Brian Thompson, you know, like you, you got to find these guys who are like, like, I know I don't want to spoil who we're trying to get, but, uh, you know, I'll say it just because, you know, like I asked Thomas Ian Griffith to be on my podcast three years ago because I would, that's what I wanted. I wanted, yeah, let me get the guy from Karate Kid 3, like, you know, but now he's almost probably too big uh, right now anyway. Yeah. Uh, 
to get. And so he probably gets our request. I've sent him a few on Instagram. Uh, he probably, it's not that he doesn't want to do it. He's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I've already done six interviews today. I don't want to talk to these guys for a half hour. Uh, so it's, you got to find these guys who are eager enough to do it, but like, yeah, if I'm blowing off podcasts, me personally, like people send me messages. I know time Thomas Ian Griffiths blowing it off and somebody else is like, ah, I was, I've been in the house for a year. I'm going to go outside instead of sitting in front of my, my computer. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, blow, I get asked, to do, I mean, I'll pretty much do anyone's podcast, but now I'm at the point now where, you know, I get asked to, cause people see our podcast. Oh, they, they have really good chemistry. I want to do that with her on like a wrestling podcast or whatever. It's like, well, I want to get paid for the next one. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm 53, man. Like I, I got to start, which is why I started thinking about Patreon. Like, you know, I've done 334 episodes of inappropriate Earl for free. Like I guess I don't need the money, but like at some point you got to be like, Hey, you got to pay me for something like, Oh, like I'm not doing this for free. Uh, you've had some good guests on. You definitely should get some sort of compensation. At least, if anything, put the uh, episode a week early on Patreon and release it for free a week later. There's all kinds of little things you can do. We can talk. But listen, we're going to wrap it up. We're up against it. I got shit to do. But thank you so much for the great Earl Skankel. I'm Chad Zumach. Have a good one. That's a wrap. Rack me.